I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I Good afternoon, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Restore Freedom Weekly with Catherine Henry. I'm trying things uh, a little different than I did in the last couple of weeks, hoping to uh, make sure I, I don't get put in timeout again on uh, one of the, the big uh, tech giants again. Um, but also to try to break things up a little bit because often I have so much information for you and I try to jam pack it all into one short episode that then becomes a very long episode. And we need as many people as possible learning about the Constitution, learning about what resources and tools for freedom fighting are out there. So um, bear with me as I, I try things a little different probably for the first several weeks until we feel like we've gotten it right. Uh, so again, uh, I am constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry. Uh, welcome to this episode. This is our third weekly episode of the weekly show portion. We, uh, will be airing or doing lives on various, um, legal updates, court cases, things of that nature, uh, things of a timely fashion. Those will be in separate videos from now on. Uh, to help keep this weekly show shorter, but also to help make it more uh, digestible uh, for the amount of information that we would be going over in each of those types of things. I will do a brief uh, legal update to tell you simply the status of certain cases or uh, statutes uh, being passed or things of that nature. So uh, with that being said, we're going to roll right into this. I know it's a, an interesting time of the day that I don't usually go live, so hopefully some of you will be able to um, log on during your lunch break here and catch some of this information. If not, then to be able to watch it later on. Uh, as I've mentioned in previous uh, episodes, I'm actually going to try to do this show uh, Monday or Tuesday of the uh, each week, but I had been banned and put in timeout for the last week on uh, one of those big tech giants. So uh, I've been kind of waiting to see, I, I thought I was gonna be taken out of timeout on Wednesday and I was gonna do the show then, um, but they um, stretched it out another two days. So here I am on Friday. Uh, if Rumble, which we just paid for the, uh, the subscription to be able to do lives, if that feed worked properly and, and regularly, like we need it to, we would, uh, simply focus on that and just doing YouTube when we weren't in timeout. But uh, we've had some significant issues with the lives being consistent on, on Rumble. So uh, this will be uploaded to Rumble later on, but um, can't be um, uh, focused on trying to make that go live at this point in time. With that being said, I wanted to share with you, uh, get started with anyway, the uh, excuse me, the Bible verse uh, of the week that I think speaks to uh, a lot of what we're dealing with. And um, that is, I believe it's the first portion of Romans 2, 12, excuse me, 12, 2, uh, Romans 12, 2. 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's exactly what we're trying to do here every single week and every single time we do a video is to help you not conform to the patterns of this world, things that are unconstitutional, things that are uh, unjust, uh, things that are immoral, but rather to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to give you new information, to give you new tools, to give you the same information I've been giving you for two years now doing these videos, but to uh, give it to you in a way that you are finally able to let yet another piece of the Constitution sink in and be uh, of more meaning to you than it was before. So as simple uh, and small as that provision, um, that uh, passage of the Bible may be, uh, to me, uh, it speaks volumes. And God was really hammering me on the head with that all week. Um, I mean, it was just popping out at me in random places. And I'm like, okay, God, I got it. I will tell everyone. Uh, so one last time, again, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So with that being said, I wanted to uh, let's see, I'm going to double check here um, that I am on track with uh, skipping the longer segments and leaving that for longer videos. Um, okay, yes. So um, the uh, Constitution segments I wanted to share with you today are actually ones that I um, did not... I have talked about before, actually, many times, but there's a specific emphasis that I'm focusing on today. And the focus of these Constitution segments is that this is a government of we, the people. What does that really mean? Well, uh, if you saw the Fox to Detroit debate between myself and attorney David Fink, I believe a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago now, then you would have seen that his biggest argument is that uh, the the position uh, on the against, you know, fighting against the mandatory jabs and whatnot was um, a selfish I, the person kind of statement and versus, you know, uh, we should make laws that protect us as collectives. And so it's, that's what it means to be we the people. Uh, I, there's actually a quite a long video I will end up doing that explains exactly how that is the dumbest thing that he, as a licensed attorney, let alone uh, a U.S. citizen for many years, should have ever said on television, let alone in public. Uh, but in the meantime, I wanted to leave you just a few very small aspects of it is we the people um, and not focusing on the I. Uh, versus we, but just it's we the people, not the government that is the one in control, right? So first I wanted to share with you, um, I, it's actually starting with the Declaration of Independence, but the portion in there that tells us that when the government abuses our rights and usurps its authority, it is our right, it is our duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for our future security. So it's about us. We, the people, we not only have the right, we have the obligation to be involved. We have the obligation to put aside any of the, uh, the, the government officials and policies and procedures and mechanisms that are doing wrong, that are not following our constitution, that are not um, 
supporting and defending our God-given liberties. Uh, it's all about we the people. So um, again, something you've heard me say before, but I'm going to take out the whole middle to focus on this part for this week, we the people, the U.S., the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. We the people of the United States do ordain and establish this Constitution. Think about it that simply. We, the people of the United States, do ordain and establish this Constitution. It did not say, we, the people of the United States, hereby give all power uh, and authority to government officials and bureaucrats. It did not say, um, you know, we are recognizing that it's always been government that's in charge and we're just acquiescing. No, we, the people, created this constitution. Uh, Michigan preamble says just about the same thing. We, the people of the state of Michigan, do ordain and establish this constitution. Uh, I told you I'm also going to try to bring in the Florida Constitution to help. And again, if you live somewhere else entirely, if you live in, I was going to say California, but I won't even go there. Uh, you live in Wyoming. You live in Louisiana. You live uh, in Minnesota. You live in any other state. I want you to look at your state constitution and I'll guarantee you that um, more often than not, the parts of the constitution that I'm focusing on are likely found in your state constitution as well. So uh, again, just serving as an example, the Florida state constitution has in its preamble, we, the people of the state of Florida, and I'm taking out a chunk in the middle here, do ordain and establish this constitution. We, the people of the state of Florida, do ordain and establish this constitution. Simple as it is, repetitive as it may be for me to say that from each of these sources, it's huge. We, the people, are the ones that created this government in the first place. We still have the power. In fact, in our U.S. Constitution, in the Ninth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, it says that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. We, the people, are retaining all of the rights uh, to self-governance, to bodily autonomy, to all kinds of things, right? We, the people, retain all the rights other than the specific things that we have allowed the government to do when we created the Constitution. That is in the Ninth Amendment. Um, Interestingly enough, the Michigan State Constitution, Article 1, Section 23, uh, also says that the enumeration in this Constitution, Michigan State Constitution, of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Not other rights that the government will give the people from time to time through certain rules, administrative procedures, regulations, or laws. No, the rights that the people already have and they retain them because the government, this document is saying, this governing document is saying uh, the government is only getting the right to act in accordance with what we are specifically allowing it to do in this constitution. Also, um, I'm going to come back to Florida in just a second. So um, 
the Michigan Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, spells out in no uncertain terms, all political power is inherent in the people. All, all political power is inherent in the people, not the government agencies or uh, government officials or bureaucrats. It's we the people, and those are not just old words written on an old dusty document that's out of date and doesn't need to be followed. No, that means just as much today as what it did uh, when it was first put into place. Um, so this is where I'm going to jump over now to the Florida Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, because that kind of combines the two things that I just mentioned uh, that are in the U.S. Constitution and then more specifically in the Michigan State Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, Article 1, Section 23. And the Florida State Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, says that all political power is inherent in the people. The enunciation herein of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or impair others retained by the people. So it's interesting that they put all of that together. I didn't even realize that until today. Um, I'm not a Florida licensed attorney. This is not legal advice uh, for anyone in the state of Florida, but as one human being, and now as one resident of the state of Florida, um, who has sworn an oath to uphold the state constitution, by the way, because when you register to vote in Florida, you are uh, taking the oath to uphold the U.S. and state constitutions. Fantastic. I was so excited when I saw that, when we were getting our driver's licenses down here. I showed my husband. Uh, I took a screenshot. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And of course, uh, people around me are like, uh, what? You know, why are you excited about that? Um, but again, both of those ideas are intertwined. And I want you guys to think about that. It's separated in the Michigan State Constitution, um, but still nonetheless in there. And um, again, in the U.S. Constitution, but combining those ideas that all political power is inherent in the people and that the people are retaining all the rights, even those that are not specifically identified in the U.S. or state constitutions. That's very important. Um, so something that we should look at uh, further on down uh, the road, but um, making sure I didn't skip any here. Um, oh, yep. I was going to jump ahead and uh, start to do ones from next week, but I uh, can't do that now, can I? Um, all right. So uh, going back to, um, let's see. Ah, yes. Uh, the three resources to check out. Okay. It's hard. It's like a chicken and the egg on this because uh, it also leads to two of the other segments of the show. But I will try to hold that all in. Okay. So... All right. In the description of this video, uh, you saw actually four links. It's really three resources, but four links. I'll explain in just a minute. If you look at the first link, the first uh, resource I want to show to you, by the way, speaking of resources, uh, my video on YouTube from last week, uh, episode number two, was pulled down. And that was the reason why I was put into timeout. In addition to, they also decided afterwards that they didn't like the debate that was had on that Let It Rip Fox 2 Detroit uh, show, because talking about the Constitution is 
I mean, terrible misinformation, right? Um, but the video from last week's show was put into uh, the um, timeout chair, as was I being able to go forward for the last week on doing lives on YouTube or posting in any way. Um, but what they didn't like was that I was referencing a government website and giving you that information and that they literally categorized as uh, medical misinformation. So we won't talk about, at least right now, that FDA.gov website. Okay. But if you're interested to see exactly what information was categorized, can't even talk today, um, called medical misinformation. I would urge you to go to one of our other resources. I believe it's still on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Uh, but the week two uh, um, episode of the uh, Rest Restore Freedom Weekly with Catherine Henry, I believe that one was aired on January 12th. I typically put the date in there. So January 12th, 2022. Um, great information. By the way, just to be clear, I didn't argue with any of the information we found on there. It is literally information direct from the source and uh, on a government website. And uh, I didn't add anything to that other than to say, whoa, look at this stuff. But anyway, if you haven't seen that one, make sure to go to one of those other sources to check that out. But this week's resources, I'm going to start with uh, the first link in there, which is to the United States Supreme Court. It's the calendar and lists. So if you look, um, I guess it's going to help if I do a screen share. So give me just a minute here. Okay. So if you look at this, um, it starts with the Supreme Court calendar right here. And you can see it as a PDF. It'll show you uh, the different, I'll just open this up so we can see that here. Um, it shows you different things. Argument days are marked in red. Non-argument sessions, but still a session of the court is marked in blue. Conference days are marked in green. Holidays where the court is just closed. Those are circles on this calendar. Uh, so the October term for 2021 started Monday, uh, September 27th. It's going through June of, uh, well, technically September of 2022. Um, and it shows you um, uh, the dates that are all set out uh, through June for argument dates, uh, for other dates uh, where the court is in session, etc. cetera. Uh, so I'm going to close that. Uh, then the argument calendar, it shows you the different terms and it goes into more specifics showing you the different um, arguments that have been approved. So looking at the January 10th one, for example, you can open it in two different ways. I'm just going to open the PDF. It shows you that the um, the arguments here, uh, what, what date the arguments are going to be for basically the month of January. <clears throat> um, also shows that it court convenes at 10 a.m. And it shows that this particular list was amended January 7th. So I want you to pay attention right here. It's mentioning Tuesday, January 18th, uh, the Shirtleff v. Boston case. I wanted to point that one out to you because we will be taking a look at that a little bit later in a different context. But you could see that the session beginning February 22nd, it says, will have uh, all of these cases heard 
uh, in the oral argument. And it so it says the date that they will take place. It says the names of the parties. Uh, it even says the, the number right here. And these are the important numbers that I'm going to show you for the next screen. So you can also see uh, the day call, uh, what was happening. And I'm going to open, I already have the 18th open. So on January 18th, the cases specifically for the argument of that day gives a little bit more information than what we saw a little bit ago. Um, that shirt left the Boston case, see how it gives the information on who is the attorney arguing for the petitioner. Uh, we have an intervener, or in this case, amicus curiae, uh, arguing, getting 15 minutes on behalf of the United States. And then we have uh, the respondent getting 35 minutes here. And then it says there's 70 minutes total argument. Then it looks like they went to a second case indicated by the two here. And you can see the attorneys who are arguing for which people. And, and it, it is actually more rare, I would say, that uh, Mikas Curie uh, get to argue at the Supreme Court level. But in these two cases, there is someone for the United States stepping in to, to argue uh, for this. So uh, let me see here. Um, Okay, so uh, I find it interesting that here the U.S. is stepping in supporting the reversal of the lower decision, uh, which I believe was the decision that uh, basically threw the First Amendment right out the window. And again, here uh, that the United States is supporting the petitioners. Um, interesting. Okay, so... Anyway, that, uh, that ties into uh, the second um, resource that I wanted to show you. So let's say when you're looking through those other documents uh, and you see, gosh, there was this case, I've heard about it in media or you know an article or something and looks like it was approved, you can go and get that case number. And once you have the case number, uh, you could type it in here and you can see the recent ones. Well, it's probably too small on your screen, but you could see the recent ones. Uh, oh, it's not showing you my drop down. That's very interesting. Uh, but there's a drop down that's appearing. But you can see the recent ones that I have searched for. And then uh, anyway, you put that in, you hit search. And uh, my search results uh, that I wanted to share with you uh, actually relate to a legal update. So uh, I guess I'll blend the two segments. I'll give you a very quick legal update, which is uh, best kind of shared by the, the title of this Epoch Times article. Boston flew the communist Chinese flag, but refused the Christian flag. The case is now before the Supreme Court. It was actually argued on, well, let me, let me take a step back. It was docketed in the U.S. Supreme Court all the way back in June of last year. It was coming as an appeal from the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit. And uh, the decision from that court came out on January 22nd, 2021. So a year ago tomorrow that the Court of Appeals uh, ruled on that. If you go and you put in that number, the 20-1800 into that docket search, which is the second uh, link on the, the video description today, you can, you'll get this um, uh, screen, which will show you the basics of who the parties are. You can actually see the questions presented. So I'm just going to click on a new tab to open this up. What are the questions presented? That's literally what are the questions being presented to the court? What are the very questions the court is being asked 
to answer. And here they go into a lot of detail. Okay. So they give the brief description and then they uh, break it down for the three questions that uh, the, the petitioner is asking the court to answer. But you can see um, what the petitioners are arguing here is that uh, the city of Boston has made their flagpoles. They've actually declared them to be public forums. They're not always. Uh, often uh, a city or municipalities uh, or state or county government's flagpoles just have the flags that they are flying. So they might have, you know, like a, uh, I don't know. Uh, happy Thanksgiving one, or they might have, um, I, I believe in a lot of the communities uh, around where we had lived in West Michigan, there would be um, like the, the pink out games when the community is supporting uh, breast cancer, you know, they have a football game at their local high school for breast cancer or other things like that. And they have an organization that they are working with to raise funds for local families uh, going through uh, cancer treatments and whatnot. Um, so oftentimes you'll see all their pink flags up in the community or um, at any rate, a, a lot of different. Uh, what I found interesting and really liked is that in my new community, they have um, put up flags for um, I don't remember when exactly it was. I didn't think it was around Memorial Day um, or specifically around Veterans Day. But at any rate, there was some point that since I've been here that I noticed on the bridge that takes you from the mainland over to Beachside, there are, uh, they had a whole bunch of veterans that they showed um, with uh, just a brief, I, I believe it had their title, it had their picture, it had their dates of service, I believe is what was on there. Um, and it was the whole bridge all the way across. And I thought that was uh, pretty awesome. So at any rate, uh, in many communities, it's the municipality that is the only one that is utilizing that flagpole. However, when a municipality or government entity decides to make its uh, some property that it has open to public viewpoints, open to uh, the public being able to disseminate their messages, you can't go and cherry pick and go, well, I'm going to allow you and your viewpoint to post, but not you and your viewpoint. So in other words, that's exactly what happened here. There had been 284 times that different groups had asked to fly their message on the flagpole in the city of Boston and the city approved of those. And then you get to the uh, petitioner's Christian civic organization, Camp Constitution, and they asked to use uh, the flagpole for that purpose, the same purpose that 284 uh, other groups had been approved for. And the city said, no, you can't do that. It's Christian. What? <laughs> so unfortunately, I think the oral arguments, uh, excuse me, I haven't, I didn't listen to the oral arguments, but the documents submitted, the briefing uh, that was submitted by the petitioners really doesn't strike at the main issue here. Uh, it, it dances around it, I think, because they're probably afraid of uh, arguing what they really should be arguing, but that could be a discussion for a whole other day. Had I seen this at the time uh, that it was just being allowed for oral argument and set on the court's schedule, I would have certainly filed an amicus brief to uh, fight the main issues that should be fought there. And um, 
who knows, maybe there will still be uh, time or a different case or whatnot, but uh, I feel really bummed that I didn't get to do that. At any rate, so these are the questions. You can read through that. Uh, then this will also show you the status of the case when different briefs were filed. You can see here um, when amicus briefs are filed by different organizations, you can read them and uh, you could see different status uh, pieces of the case. This is pretty much the simplest way to see what is happening in the case. And this one has a lot of amicus briefs that have been filed. So uh, it's, it'll take you a little bit to scroll, but really it's not that overwhelming when you're looking at what's actually happening. And you could see the last thing that happened in this case is that on January 18th, uh, this case was argued in the United States Supreme Court. If you are interested in wanting to follow up on this case in some way or any of the cases. It also then gives you the information for uh, the attorneys who argued or who even filed briefs in the case, such as the, the attorneys for the amicus. Um, it gives you their mailing address, their email address, and their phone numbers right here. So uh, very interesting that all that information is available there. So you can contact uh, people that have um, filed in the case. Maybe you want to get involved. You want to volunteer to help in some way. A lot of the freedom fighting law firms uh, are just like myself, where they're actually earning money directly from cases, but they still are on limited budgets. So uh, let's see, what else was I going to show you? Okay. So the third, um, the third resource I wanted to show you is actually um, uh, a person. And that is my good friend, Kristen Megan. I met her in April of 2020, where we uh, were both uh, part of the uh, American Patriot Council who uh, put on the, the rally at uh, the Michigan State Capitol on April 30th, 2020 to warn and urge our state legislature not to extend the governor's unconstitutional mandates. And uh, she spoke from one perspective. I spoke from another perspective. Anyway, uh, I asked her where would be the best resources for people to get to know what she's doing and talking about. Uh, she did mention going to Rumble. Uh, there is a, um, a certain podcast on the Petty Podcasts uh, channel. I did not find the video she was talking about. Uh, in specifics on there. But if you just search for Kristen Megan, these are literally the Kristen Megan I'm talking about. All I did is go to videos on Rumble and do a search. And you can see this is Kristen. This is Kristen. Actually, this second one is my own channel. Um, this is Kristen. Uh, so uh, these, I believe, at least the first several that I'm seeing here are actually uh, the Kristen Megan that uh, I want you to check out and hear what she has to say. She also mentioned going to uh, their um, white paper essentially on uh, different topics, which is um, OSHA regulations, rules, and mandate madness. She put this together uh, with Tammy Clark of Stand Up Michigan, and it's available through the, the Stand Up Michigan website if you donate uh, to them. This download now link will then lead you to the whole paper, which you can access only once you have donated. Uh, I believe we had shared it previously on our own website. I think it's on the RestoreFreedomKH.com website somewhere. Uh, when they first uh, released it in November of 2021, I, well, it says November 2021. Maybe I'm mixing it up with something else, but there was something that they had shared that I had asked for their permission to get it posted on all of our social media platforms as well, because I thought it was a good 
Um, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with 100% of what was in there, but they had a lot of good information that I wanted to share. So uh, at any rate, the um, um, that information uh, is available to you through uh, a variety of resources. Also, in the description of this video, you can see where you can find her. Uh, the best way to reach her on uh, Twitter and also on Telegram. I think she has a couple different um, accounts, I guess, on both of those social media platforms. So the ones that I posted here are the ones that she is recommending that you find her through. So um, please do check her out. Now, what is my challenge for the week? Well, uh, my challenge for the week for you might seem something, I don't know. Um, a little bit boring, but I would like for you to do a Google search of any case that's of importance to you. I would ask that you probably focus on something more recent because there's a ton of topics out there being litigated in the U.S. Supreme Court right now uh, that are things that will directly impact your life. Um, but if you just do some Google searches and come up, see what articles you might find, such as this, and then do some searching like this particular one. Um, this article gave not only the title of the case, but also that file number. But um, if you then go to the resources, once you have a case that sounds like, you know what, I want to read more about this. Um, at the very least, what I want you to do is go to that docket search and plug that in. Uh, on the U.S. Supreme Court website and be able to look at and just peruse the search results to see what is happening with that case. Is it a case that's currently going on? Is it a case that you don't see a decision that's been rendered yet? The last thing you see is that something was filed or the last thing you might see is that uh, the case was argued. Um, I, I'm challenging you. I don't care, you know, again, uh, what age you are, if you're just a teenager or if you're 95 years old, I don't care if you are uh, someone who is really comfortable with computers or not, or what kind of work you do for a living, you are part of We the People. And you need to know and have your fingertips on as much information out there as possible about what our government is doing and what issues are currently being debated or decided upon in our government. So, um, any issue, any case that's important to you, do that. Take that challenge on and see what you find. And if you find things you think are great and you want to share them, do some screenshots and share them all over your social media. Tell your family and friends and coworkers. If you see something, however, that is on the other side, um, very disturbing uh, that people would even argue such a thing or that you um, are disturbed by a, a decision that was rendered in a court a lower court or the U.S. Supreme Court or what have you, bring that information to the forefront as well. Share that so people know the court system is not just for judges and justices and attorneys. The court system is for you. It is for we the people. It is not meant to be this um, oligarchy where it's just, you know, ruled by the few and those few people uh, involved get to end up uh, forming and shaping the decisions that will then impact the lives of millions and millions of people here. No, we the people need to start taking back control and it starts with knowledge. So that is my challenge for you this week. Um, I believe uh, I might've actually gone through um, 
Wow, I did. I have one last thing I wanted to share with you. And that is uh, a little segment that um, is my take on the constitutionality of a certain governmental action. So with that being said, I want to bring you to the main page of the government of the U.S. Supreme Court's website. Um, one of the main pages, right? The one about oral arguments. So just Google U.S. Supreme Court um, if you can't somehow get to the links that I've put in the description. But I want you to see what it says in bold at the top here of this oral arguments page. I'll read it to you verbatim. Out of concern for the health and safety of the public and Supreme Court employees, the Supreme Court building will be closed to the public until further notice. The building will remain open for official business. All public lectures and visitor programs are temporarily suspended. Please see all COVID-19 announcements here. So I'm trying to figure out how to word this without getting put into timeout again. Let me just pose it this way. What do you think? Do you think it's constitutional for the U.S. Supreme Court, who is making decisions that will impact literally every single person in this country, do you think it's appropriate? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's just? Do you think it's constitutional for them to close the building to the public? Now, keep in mind, when the court is in session, it's not easy to get in anyway. They don't have to face, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people when you go there, if you want to go on a day where the court is in session, you have to be like the first in line because there's only so many seats that they even allow to be filled pre-COVID. So I was lucky enough, and this is a rare circumstance, when I got sworn into the bar uh, to practice in the United States Supreme Court, I really wanted my dad, my husband, and my son, Alex, to be there with me. Uh, my son, Alex, is... Um, sorry. We went through a lot. I was a single mom. Uh, I, I He was born uh, in October of my senior year of college. And he was... Uh, well, when I took the LSAT you know, that you have to take to get into law school. I took that about five or six months pregnant, waddling in there to take the exam um, and then finished college with him and uh, bringing him to my classes and carrying all that stuff around the diaper bag and, um, you know, my heavy laptop at the time because they weighed like, you know, 300 pounds back in the day. Um, and we lived in Minnesota. So that meant I had to bring all kinds of blankets for him and my winter coat and my books because, you know, college kids actually used to use real books. Um, and then going to law school with him and the challenges that we've been through. Man, if I did a video that uh, talked about how life almost took me out several times, 
uh, just trying to survive and get started in this life, um, you'd be amazed. Um, but that little boy, um, who's not so little anymore, my son is 18 now. Uh, he and I went through a lot just for me to get through law school and uh, be able to start providing a living for him. And I opened my first I opened my law firm, uh, the doors to my very own law firm back in um, 2008. And, um, you know, I was licensed in five jurisdictions by the time I was 24, 23, something like that. Um, already a mom of a, a little boy. And, um, you know, the hours that I would have to spend every single day at my office. And, you know, uh, as I was helping parents trying to keep their children safe in a big, ugly case or, you know, helping uh, people go through all kinds of traumatic life situations and being that sound legal advice and the person who would fight for them in court no matter what. Um, you know, my son, I was a single mom. My son was there with me at my office eating dinner and playing with toys and doing homework. And, um, you know, every office that I had, uh, had a playroom and a place for him to take a nap if he wasn't feeling good or just tired, uh, you know, had toys and snacks for him. And then the other kids, as I, uh, got married and had other children, um, and then eventually moved my office home. But, uh, at any rate, uh, I tell you this because, um, we found out kind of last minute when I was getting ready to be sworn in uh, that my I was only allowed to have one visitor in the United States Supreme Court. Again, this is pre-COVID. Uh, so I was only allowed to have one person there with me when I got sworn in. And I thought, oh my gosh, how do I do this? Do I pick my dad? Um, many of you who um, are on the east side of the state or quite frankly anywhere in the state that were involved uh, with our um, Restore Freedom Initiative Constitutional Amendment petition in Michigan, uh, you heard of Bruce Reed. That's my dad. He was a driver. He was a captain. He was a distribution hub. He was a big part of our tech team. He... Um, <laughs> um, of course that came after this swearing in, but that's my dad. Um, so I thought, well, do I have him? Do I have my life partner, my husband, uh, or do I have my son? And we, as a family all decided it needed to be my son, Alex, that was there with me and lucky for me, you know, my husband still drove us all the way out there in a storm and, everything else to make it there and get sworn in. And uh, lucky for me, when we got there, one of the other people being sworn in um, wasn't able to bring someone with them. So my husband and my son were both able to be in the courtroom with me, watching me get sworn into practice in the United States Supreme Court. But again, that was a struggle. And uh, by the time we got there, which was early, the line to wait in line as the general public to get into the courtroom that day was already full. There was no way that they would have gotten in had they, you know, had my husband had to wait there to try to get in that way. Uh, so it's not like they already were facing the public in a, a, a big way, but now they're completely closing the courtroom. I'm just gonna let you 
think on that, I guess. And what do you think? Um, if you think it's right for them to do that, I want to know where in the Constitution it allows them to do that. Because they're not allowed to do anything but interpret the Constitution. They're not allowed to create new provisions. They're not allowed to modify or change anything as they see fit. They must support, defend, and you know, enforce the terms of the U.S. Constitution. So where on earth would it allow them to do that? And in fact, in that first sentence, out of concern for the health and safety of the public and the Supreme Court employees, where in the Constitution does it mention the word health? It doesn't. Where does it mention the word safety? Uh, only in that part that talks about suspending the writ of habeas corpus in rare circumstances. It says nothing about using either of those as a basis for doing anything to shut down any of the rights of the people, which include being able to see what's going on in their nation's highest court. Quite frankly, in any court. If, it, if it's a court that's not open to the public, then it shouldn't be in existence in this country in the first place. That is my take on that. Um, and this video is already much longer than I wanted it to be, but hopefully it was one that uh, gives you information, gives you some tools, gives you some ideas, sparks some thoughts in you about what you need to do in this fight for freedom. And to remember uh, the this country is one of the people, by the people, for the people. It is we the people that rule. We the people retain the ultimate authority. It's not a government of attorneys, judges, uh, legislators, bureaucrats. It is a government of we the people. Every single one of those people that has uh, served in, in state, local, federal governments in any way, shape, or form, they should have to answer to you because you are we the people. Don't look at a government official as someone to be afraid of or that you have to answer to. Look at them as someone who works for you. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed and learned from today's episode. And um, keep in mind, if you are only watching me, as most of you watch me on YouTube, uh, please keep in mind that you can find me on Facebook, at least for now, uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, but please go to our website, RestoreFreedomKH.com, where you can find uh, all of our social media platforms uh, so that if you, you know, at least have that as a resource, as a backup, if you don't see me posting on one uh, in a while, keep in mind, it doesn't let me go on and do a post to say, hey, uh, I can't do videos this week. It just doesn't let me post uh, when that happens. So um, check us out on Rumble. Uh, videos aren't always live, but they will be uploaded. Check us out on um, Telegram and we're still on Twitter. So um, please check those sources out and remember more freedom, less government. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.